Take our hymn books.
Great singing today. I Amen. sure appreciate that. Great job, girl. All right, we're going to go back to the book of Acts. I started to um, go someplace completely different. and um, But I just, then uh, later I decided today, hopefully I'm on here yet, uh, we're going to go ahead and finish this message that I was trying to preach this morning and, and finish it up here today. So the... Uh, going to go to the book of Acts, and you go to chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 5. Chapter 2, verse 5. Chapter 2, verse 5. We saw this morning that the church of Acts was, one, a church of preparation. There's a church of peace. There was unity in the church. A church of prayer, and, uh, and that unity really made powerful prayer. And, and it's very, very vital uh, that we always, prayer's always got to be a vital 
part of our of our church and not just the church service but everything leading up to even walking in the doors um, a church and because that church uh, was a church of prayer then we're also a church of power and then a church of purpose well tonight we're going to look at acts chapter 2 verse 5 through 12 and we'll take the next one that we have in this this lineup so to speak Acts chapter 2 verse 5 says, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And so they, you know, they're just, they came here. God brought these people together. Uh, you, know, you have to understand though, so they uh, it wasn't something that the people of the church somehow went out and had a big rally. I'm not opposed to that. I th- uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for it, and, I, and I've got some plans of us doing some things to do, you know, to have some things like that. But, but what, I, what I want you to see is that when God gets a hold of something, He'll draw people. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And so uh, he'll, he'll draw the people, and, and, uh, and even when we go out to do what we do, it's got to be saturated with prayer. Everything that we do, we've got to understand, if, we, if it's on, of our own works and our own power and our own promotion even, uh, it, it's just not going to last. We need to, when God, uh, it's like this, when we would go and travel, uh, one of the things that almost immediately we, we were going to travel for, we ended up three, three and a half years, we traveled full time, and Almost immediately, people told me, you got you to get on the phone, man, work those phones, get those meetings, get those meetings. And I, I just said to my wife, I can't do that. I can't call people and ask for meetings. And uh, she said, why? And I said, because I got to know that I'm there because God wanted me there, not because I wanted me there. And I'll be honest with you, we were booked about 40 meetings a year for, for three years, and we never made one phone call to ask anybody for a meeting. And I, and I believe that's what happens. God will get, get a hold of it, and God will work. But in verse 7, it says, they were all amazed and marveled because, you know, God brought them here, and then this miracle takes place. They're speaking, and man, they're hearing, everybody's hearing this take place in their own language, and they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthenians and Medes and uh, Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and, and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and in Egypt and in all parts of Libya about Cyrene and, and strangers of Rome and Jews, uh, Jews and proselytes Greeks and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? So God comes in mighty power, and that's what we just saw. That's where we're kind of concluding. God comes in mighty power because he has a, an incredible purpose, and the purpose was so that he could reach a multitude of people, and so that, that these people could be sent out across the world to take the, the gospel that they just heard, take it to the rest of the world. Now, we see that the mighty power of God came down upon the people that God had brought together. Tonight, what we're going to pick up now is to see, what we'll see is that the church is also a church of persecution. A church of pu- persecution. 
You see, in Acts chapter 2, and it's gonna, not going to sound like persecution, but I want you to just hear me out. This is the, where it really begins, the first place that there is a form of persecution that comes. And it comes in Acts chapter 2, verse 13. It says, others mocking said, these men are, are full of new wine. You know, they were mocking them immediately. And can I tell you, as soon as God comes in power to fulfill his purpose, the, the, the attack of Satan comes. And you say, no, that doesn't sound like much of an attack. Well, you have to understand, though, one of the first ways that attack will come is almost always verbal. It's almost always a verbal attack. And it's amazing, listen, folks, it's amazing how words can hurt and discourage. Anybody here, you ever been discouraged by something somebody said to you? You're probably discouraged right now. Uh, but now the fact that you, it's so easy for, for words to come and cut and hurt. I, I remember my, my wife and I, we, were, we moved into Sherville, Indiana, and we had, we had moved up in life. We came from Maryville to Sherville, and, uh, and we got this little uh, um, house with a basement and and so we were, uh, one of the things that I do anywhere that I go, if they don't have a second bathroom, I'm going to build one. If you understand, seven women in my house, if I don't build one, I will never see one. And so I, I immediately, I said, okay, we're going to build a bathroom and a bedroom downstairs because there's three be- uh, bedrooms upstairs, six girls, you know, two and two and two. Uh, it really didn't work out that way. It was one and one and four. Uh, but... Uh, but we're, we're going to go, we're going to build us a bedroom and a bathroom downstairs. There's no place really to build a bathroom except under the stairs uh, that were coming down. If you can imagine how small that bathroom is, but I don't care as long as I can get in it. Uh, it doesn't matter what size it is. So, but in order to build that thing, we had to move. We just moved in there and just dumped everything into the house. Now we decide that we're going to pull out what a little bit of life, no, no, what retirement that we had, all of our $3,500 worth, and we... Uh, pulled it out, and we're going to use it to remodel downstairs and build this bathroom and bedroom. And so uh, I got a buddy of mine that's really good at this stuff, and he came in to do it. And, but in order to do it, we had to pull everything out of the basement up into the upstairs. And so we've got a, just nothing more than a little path that you can walk around. When you come in the door, you can walk a path to get to the kitchen and, and get down to the downstairs because it's piled up. It's not just there is piled up everywhere with furniture and stuff and books and things everywhere. Well, this boy that was helping me, Scott, he he uh, a really great guy. But but uh, Scott uh, goes out and he helps me. You know, he's building this thing. He's doing it all. Well, I come home from work one day and Scott uh, to, decides to tell me and my wife that he's invited a a couple over to have dinner with us. Well, that was, I don't, you know, no, Scott, you know, you got to be retarded. You know, there's no place for people to even walk in here. But he did. And these are people that have never, never, I mean, they know us, but we've never had a meal together. We've never been, I never actually spoken to them personally. And here they are, they're coming in and they come walking in our house with everything piled up, everything stacked up. And, and, and they're just looking around in amazement. They walk into the kitchen. We barely got room to sit around the table. My wife has barely got anything where she can even make something to eat. And, and, and we sit down there, and the first words out of this guy's mouth is he looks at me and he says, I can't believe you'd want to live like this. And what do you say now? 
And I, I just, I'm thinking, and all these thoughts are going through my head like, oh, no, man, we love it. This is the way it is all the time. This is just how we have it. Doesn't everybody live this way? Knucklehead, what do you think? But, you know, that obviously it bothered me because that was like 20 years ago. And it's still on my mind that this guy had to say that to me. I mean, and I, and I really, when they left, Job asked, said, do you think he thinks we really live like this all the time? And I, I thought, I don't know. And I really don't care what he thinks, but I did. And so, it, uh, but words can, can really, they can, they can just, they can cut you to pieces. It's amazing how words can hurt and discourage. Uh, they come, and this is what happens to me. The word they use here is the word mocking, this uh, critiquing and criticizing. The best way to eliminate criticism, watch this now. If you, don't, if you say, man, I just can't deal with it. Here's the best way. Just be dormant. Don't do anything. Now, you'll get criticized for not doing anything, but you won't get criticized as much as you will for doing something. Right? If you prepare, uh, as God has taught us in this, this church does, they prepare, and you're at peace, and you pray, and power comes for a purpose, listen to this, Satan will come with accusation, a- accusations against you. He will come with accusation against the church if the church is a, is a church of acts. He will come with accusation against your family if you're trying to make steps of growth for your family. He will accuse you. He will stir up man to accuse you because that is who he is. Listen to this. Revelation 12.10 says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. He's the accuser. That's who he is. He's the great accuser of the brethren. And and watch this. It's not just in heaven that he's going to accuse us before God. Satan puts it in the minds of his people on this earth. And listen, our enemy is not people, but there are people that Satan uses. And he'll put it in their mind to accuse you, to attack you. And so, and when will he do it the most? Right when you are following this pattern. When you, uh, look, if you ever see God's hand upon you. God's really doing something in your life. And, and you think, man, God's really, I almost hate to hit one of those spots, even in, in, in our marriage after almost 39 years. I almost hate to go through those, those uh, uh, few days or weeks or whatever where it just seems like, man, we are just living in a dream world. It's so perfect. I mean, she is so happy with me. You, you know why? Because I know something's coming. You know, right at that moment where I feel like this is so, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? I know who you're married to. I know. It's just, it feels so perfect. And man, it just couldn't get any better. Well, it ain't. It's about to get worse. Real fast. You know, because look, God, God, no, the devil doesn't want you to have anything good. He don't want you to have a good life. He don't want you to have a good marriage. He don't want you to have a good church. He don't want you to have good, he don't want nothing good. So if it's going good, guess what? 
He's going he's to attack. And one of the first ways he comes with attack is he's going to come with, with accusation. He's going to come with people who mock. He's going to come with people who criticize what you are doing. And, and listen to me. I, and I, I, you know, I do this, and hopefully I don't embarrass people. But, but Arthur, you and Shell, you, you, you be ready. There are people that you know, and people that you've known a long time, they're going to tell you why you shouldn't be in this church. They're going to tell you how crazy you are for even wasting your time coming here. It's going to happen. Has it happened, Jay? Yeah. I'm just, that's just what Jessica told you. Now, it's, it happens when you're taking a stand for God, persecution will come, and as simple and as it is, just a little term here, and they mocked them. They mocked them. And, and now, listen, here's what we got to do, though. Uh, we got to be like Peter. You got to stand up when they mocked you and say, uh-uh, that's not the way it is. That's not exactly the way Peter said it, but it's pretty close. Folks, give each other, listen to this, give each other the benefit of the doubt. Don't assume someone's intention, for no one can know another person's heart. Don't get caught up in petty things that have no eternal value. I heard a story just the other day about a man visiting a church, and he sat, I won't say who it is, but he sat in someone's regular seat. And listen, if you go to a larger church, people get their spot. They will camp out in their spot. And, and watch this now. And that church member got upset that this visitor had come and sat in their seat and demanded they move. Now, what if that visitor was new? Look, wouldn't that be a wonderful problem to have here? That we had so many visitors, they took your seat? Hey, I would like for even you to take your seat. Just Somebody. My old preacher told us once how a church about split over what color the carpet would be in the church. I can tell you what color carpet this ought to be. It ought to be hardwood floors is what it ought to be. Listen to me. Look, I don't know if anybody ever fought over what color this carpet is, but you should have. (laughs) This is the hardest stuff in the world to keep clean. Somebody should have thrown a conniption fit. <laughs> I'd be ready to rip it up and just, what are you talking about, Chris, the other day that just polishing the concrete? Is that, was that you? No, somebody was telling me that. Just pull up that towel. Is that right? Amen. Uh, hey, We'd never vacuum this thing again. All right. Now, we tend to think that the, that the attack from Satan is always an outward attack brought by the world, the government, or the media. But really, the most common and the most dangerous attack is from within. You got to know this. That's where the real attack. Because watch this. David said this. You know, it's, it's my friend. And folks, can I tell you, the world can say stuff to me, and it's like water off the duck's back. It really is. The only difference between me and the duck is I'm going to slap him with my wing. The, uh, now, the fact is, it's just like water off a duck's back. But when people I love are disappointed with me, unhappy with me, critical of me, that's devastating. 
You know what, uh, that lady you were visiting yesterday, I wanted to the Lord through the food bank the other day, and, and, and Brother Allen went and visited her, and, and, and after he explained to her, and she, she doesn't want to come because she, she doesn't want, what did she say? She didn't want anybody making fun of her children. Not that we, she's not been here. So y'all don't know who I'm talking about, but, but uh, she's never been here. And, and, uh, but that may make fun of her children because she just doesn't have any clothes for her children. I think they get nine. And he told her, no. And the truth is, we're going we're gonna to announce, what, Wednesday night or something? We're, gonna, we're trying to find out sizes, and we're going to find out sizes. You know what we're going to do? We're going to get clothes for them. And when he told her that's what we're going to do, you know what she said? You are like a family, aren't you? Well, we, we are. I hope we are. I hope we really are like a family. And I'm your daddy. And so... <laughs> It's better than who's your daddy. And, uh, I'm your daddy. But you know what? But you have to understand the words from a family member can hurt worse than words from anybody else. You got to be careful. And so this is a church, but a church persecuted, but a church persecuted verbally. And, and I believe it's something that we just have to understand. But this church. Uh, it now in persecution is now, listen to this, when you're in persecution, you're either going to be pummeled or you're going to be overcome in greater power. And what happens in Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 17, look at that, Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 17, it says, but Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will Pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. You know what he does here? He Number one, Peter has enough boldness to just to stand up and answer them back and say, no, that's not true. That's not, you're mocking us, and you think we're drunk, but we're not. He, you know, watch this though, but he also knows the scripture. He listened to the Lord previously in his preparation enough. He answers them with the word of God. He says, no, don't you see what's happening here? This is just what Joel prophesied. When there are those who will stand in the face of adversity, they will find greater power. And that's the next phase. Is We have to understand this. Every time you pray and God brings power for his purpose, persecution will come. But if you stand in the persecution, greater power will come. People used to say to me all the time, they, they, they would come to me and they say, man, uh, we... we uh, trying to get a, a ministry to the Great Lakes Naval Base. And there were several churches up there would try. Uh, Brother Gomez would church. They, they would try for six months or a year or whatever. And, and they would always send to me. They would send them to me and sit down with me and say, okay, tell us how you do it. Tell us how you make this ministry work. Tell us, because every time we get started, we get shut down. How do you do this? How do you keep going? And I said, you just said it. He said, no, 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 tell me. They would tell me all the time, tell us how to do it. And I said, that's it. 
You just keep going. Say, well, don't they, do they stop you? No, they don't stop me. They hinder me. They'll pick me up. I've been, I've been in the back of more squad cars as a preacher than I was as a, as a police officer. And they arrest me. I was arrested five times in one day. And all I was doing is out soul winning on the street. I wasn't even on the base. I'm outside the base and they arrested me. And you know what they arrested me for? Disturbing the peace. I looked at that police officer. I said, man, you, you, you got problems. He said, what do you mean I've got problems? He was cussing a blue streak. And I said, sir, you placed me under arrest five times here in the last 15 minutes. Because every time he'd say, you're under arrest. And then he cussed me out for about 10 minutes or something, you know. And, and then after he got done, he'd say, and I would say, hey, you don't talk to me this way. And he said, you're under arrest. That's the second time. And we went through this for about 15, 20 minutes. He placed me under arrest five times. Finally, I said, sir, you're confused. He looked at me, cussed at me, and I said, sir, you can't. Keep arresting me. I either am or I'm not. And I said, what am I being arrested for? He said, disturbing the peace. And I said, did you know that in 1980, they ruled disturbing the peace a vague law? I said, if you understand what that means, that means you can virtually not prosecute that law. I said, you can arrest me for that, but you will not win. He said, nothing. He stared at me. So I said, so, sir, either we're getting in the car because I'm arrested or I'm leaving. And I turned and walked away. And he let me go. And so, now, but what happens is when adversity comes, greater power comes. And it's after battles and battles and battles like this, we just kept going. And you know what happened? After 10 years of those kind of battles, the next almost 10 years, I never had one time got stopped. And over the next 10 years, we had greater crowds, more people saved, more people baptized than we did in the first 10 years. You know why? Because you withstand, you keep going during the adversity, and greater power will come. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 41 says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the, as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day. There were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Watch this now. When, when, when you come and, and, and that persecution comes, God is going to come with, with something else. God's going to come in power again, in greater power. People will be saved. Not only will people be saved, and that's what we concentrate on when we say that God starts to do something. And I'm telling you, if we will do, if we will follow this procedure, uh, I believe that God will bring us through just like he did them. And we will see not just power, but we'll come to a point through persecution that we see greater power.
Watch this. Listen, let me just promise you something. If, if, if this building fills up with people, if, that, if God would allow that to happen, if we pray and we find God's power for his purpose and this building fills up with people, somewhere we're going to have criticism coming at us. You don't get much criticism when, when you're not full. But the criticism will come if we start to fill up. Acts 2, chapter 3, verse 2 through 9 says, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him uh, with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And watch this, when, when God comes in greater power, most of the time we think it just means to, that we'll see greater numbers of people saved. But I want you to understand, it, it's 3,000 got saved, but also physical needs were met. That's part of the church, folks. Physical need. I go back to the story of my, my son-in-law. I praise God for what he did. I'm telling you, I know right now. I know them. I know right now they don't have as much food to eat. I know they don't have the, uh, some of the things they would have had. But he took that money, $750. That's a lot of money to a missionary. That's a lot of money to anybody. But he took $750 and he paid the hospital bill for a shepherd whose wife would have died because that man, they wouldn't allow him in the door. But because Mike guaranteed the bill, that woman's alive today. You know what? It's not just winning them to Christ. I'm telling you this. I believe that testimony and that woman living, I believe that God is going to bless miraculously through that. I believe other people will be saved because of it. As you read into chapter 4, you'll see this pattern repeated. Persecution comes, but out of the persecution of a praying man comes greater power. As we continue this repetitive process of persecution and power, we will come to a place where we will understand the importance of the next word in this church, and that's the importance of purity. The importance of purity. God does not just expect performance from his people. He also expects purity. We, we, some have gotten sidetracked over the years. We're, we're, and I've counseled them. And I've counseled people about to bust up in their marriage where a guy will, will, will uh, you know, work all week long and then he'll go uh, from early, early Saturday morning to late, late Sunday night on a, on a, on a bus route. And, he, and, and he, he will go and he'll go and he'll go and his kids are going to hell and his, his wife is ready to divorce him. And I'll look at him and say, sir, do you understand? that your performance for God is not going to keep your marriage together? How you treat her is important. 
How you live and understand the importance of your wife is important. How you live and understand the importance of your children is, is, is vitally important. God says, Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto to God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. God expects purity from his people. He does not demand your money. He does not demand your possessions. He does not even demand your service. He wants you to love him enough to obey him. It's not about what you can give God financially or physically. It's about your heart, your honesty, your integrity. Will you give God your heart? Purity is vital. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Not if you want me to love you, keep my commandments. Hear what he said now. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You don't keep his commandments. You don't go out for hours and hours so he'll love you. And somehow, I, this man's in my mind, I'd never call his name, and Joe Beth probably knows who I'm talking about, but, but I took this man and I said, Sir, I love the fact that you love these bus kids. I love the fact that you're trying to reach these bus kids. I love the fact that you go hours and hours to try to meet their need. But do you understand that your family is disintegrating? That means you've got to spend some time with them. I had a guy that was in my, I was just a college student. I was a sophomore, junior in college, and they put me over 100 men in for this nine-week program. And, and it was a big, big contest, the way they would do things back there. And it was all about how many hours you would go out soul one, and they gave you points and how many people you won the Lord and all these things. And, and, uh, and so this man... I was probably 28 at the time, and this, this man in my, in my, uh, on my team was about 35, 36 years old. And, and, uh, and I came in the very first week, and he came in, and he had zero points. And, and, uh, and man, I've never seen a guy, he was, he was almost in tears. He just looked, and he said, he said I, I'm failing you. He said, I'm, uh, he's working nine days, going to school full time. He's, he's got teenage children. And he looked at me and he said, I, I just, I'm about to lose my children. They, I'm just really struggling with my son. And, and he said, but, but I know that I've got to go these hours. I know everybody else is doing it, so I've got to do it. And, uh, and I looked at him and I said, I said, sir, look, I don't want you to try to give 10 points for this thing. I, you know, if you could give one point next week, let's just try that. He came back next week, he had one point, but he was, he was still, he was just like, everybody else is doing so much and I'm doing so little. And he looked at me and, and uh, he said, I'm going to do my part. He said, I know I need to go out eight hours of soul winning today. And I looked at him and I said, how many hours a week do you work? And he works about 60 and I, and, I, and, I, and I know he's going to school full-time. I looked at him and I said, I said here's what I want you to do. This club, this fisherman's club, requires you to go soul one in three hours. I said, I'm, I'm as your captain, as your leader, I'm telling you after three hours, you go home. 
He said, I can't do that. Everybody else is going to keep going. I said, I don't care about everybody else. Everybody else doesn't have teenage kids. You're going to go home. And he looked at me and he said, why don't I just quit? I said, no, you're not going to quit. You go three hours. Because I, I don't have any responsibility of that. That's the leadership here above me that determined that. But you go three hours, you go home. And I want you to go home, and I want you to spend the rest of the day, the rest of the afternoon with your son. I want you to build a relationship with him. I want you to, to spend time with your wife. I want you to be there with them. That's what I want you to do. That's what I want you to do for our team. And that man stayed in that ministry. And about three years later when we were, I was now on staff at the college, and God had given us a little house, and I wanted to build a bathroom. I was at school one day as a discipline counselor, and he came to my office, and he said, Brother Hooker, I'm a, a plumber, licensed plumber. And he said, I'm going to come to your house, and I'm going to build that bathroom for you. Now, we didn't have a dime. I was making $10,000 a year, so I didn't know how I was going to build a bathroom other than just knock a hole in the concrete. <laughs> and if I had to, that's what I was going to do. But he came over and built a beautiful bathroom for us. And about, I don't know, Joe Beth, you may remember, it was, it was probably five or six years ago, we were out in the Northeast, and I was preaching in a conference. And a man drove, he and his wife, in about two and a half hours to come hear me preach. It was that man. And one more time, he thanked me for salvaging his family. It wasn't me. All I was trying to tell him is this is what God wants. God wants you to serve him, yes. But really wants you to love him. And you say, but wait a minute, you're talking about his family. That's how you love God in, in a lot of ways. By loving those he's given to you. By loving those that sit beside you. That's how you do it. I'll finish this up. Purity is what keeps us a vessel that may be filled by the Holy Spirit of God. And God gets to the point through all of this, He comes to this, now He talks of this issue of purity. The man or the woman who endures persecution will find power. The man who endures persecution and finds power and stands in purity will be a man or a woman of persuasion. And the church of Acts, this last thing, was a church of people full of persuasion. You say, what does that mean? The Holy Spirit of God spoke to the hearts as they, the people that went through this procedure, this transition that we just spoken about and followed it all the way through, the people that stayed right with God. Here's what happens. The Holy Spirit spoke to the hearts of the people as they spoke to the ears. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 through 16 says, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. 
I don't know if you can understand this statement, but as a, as a preacher, that is a dream statement. Listen, the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. Verse 7 says, For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies that were lame were healed. And, and there was great joy in that city. And, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip, Preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Do you see, God comes in such great power through the persecution and through the purity of Philip. Here's what happens. God comes, and when they speak, they have great persuasion. It's amazing. Everybody's listening to him. And, and watch this now. If you'll get on your knees and if you'll beg God and you'll walk with God and you'll keep your life pure toward God and you'll keep seeking God, listen to me. Here's what will happen. The people you believe are unreachable can be reached. A family member you think is so far gone that can't be reached, they can be reached. They can I mean, we're talking about Simon the sorcerer, who, who man, they all believed uh, he's, he, man, he's demon-possessed, and he's got all kinds of, of demonic powers, and yet this man believes and gets baptized. It can happen. Acts 8, 35-39 says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And they that went on their way, they came unto a, uh, there they went on their way, and they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water. Both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. It shows in a crowd, he had great power of persuasion to the people. It's not his power. The Holy Spirit, working through him, spoke to the hearts while Philip spoke to the ears. In great crowds that happened. To one man that could go back to his home country and change a nation, it happened. The Ethiopian eunuch. We have seen today a church of preparation, a church of peace, a church of prayer, a church of power, a church of purpose, a church of persecution, a church of greater power, a church of purity, a church of persuasion. Here's what we got to understand. This was not a perfect church, but a church that stayed about the priorities that God had designed for the church. 
And that's what I want Calvary Baptist to know. We're not a perfect church, but we also can stay about the priorities as shown in the church, in the, in the book of Acts. Understand that individuals in the church can be at any stage at any given moment. Any individual here can be at that, any stage of that list at any moment. But understand this also. The church proper will be primarily going through one stage. We as a group are going through one stage. And I believe with all my heart, even though this church, I think this year is 40 years old. It may be next year. I can't remember. We saw that recently. But I believe we're a church of preparation right now, as I said this morning. And I greatly desire we will be a church of power and persuasion. But in order to do that, we've got to follow the pattern that's been given to us. And there's some crucial issues in here. Prayer is crucial. Purity is crucial. It's very, very crucial that we understand we need God's power because nothing through our power will, will be a lasting change. God's power will change. So this is the, and this, and we're just talking, this is not the book of Acts. This is the church of Acts and just the early stages of that church and the incredible things that God did through some people that were willing to go through what God was going to allow them to go through and would stand and would keep preaching and keep teaching. That's who I believe God wants Calvary Baptist to be. I don't know where you feel like you might be personally. Maybe you're not sure, but a, a church of preparation, maybe you feel like I'm in that preparation stage or a church of peace where you think, you know what, right now, that's what I really desire. I just want to be at peace with everybody. I want, I want to be part of the unity of the church. A church of prayer, that's something that I, I just I want to push and I want to keep pushing. The first thing that I start to t teach here on Wednesday night, what I got here is on prayer. It's vital. Without prayer, without prayer, without sincere prayer, we're not going to accomplish anything. A church of power. For many years, I would ask God for His power, but I'll be honest with you, I believe I asked Him for His power for me because I wanted results. Until I found out, no, I want power. I want God's power because He can use me to help somebody else. A church of purpose, that's God's divine purpose. A church of persecution, if we're going to get greater power, we've got to go through the persecution. We've got to be able to face it. I don't have a whole lot of abilities, but one my wife has told me for all of our married life, and I, and I cherish it. She says, you don't have an ounce of quit in you. You know what? That's what we need. We need a whole lot of people that just look and say, no matter what comes, I'm not quitting. How do you keep a ministry going? You keep going. That's the answer. You just don't quit. A church of greater power, boy, I dream of that. A church of purity, and I didn't list it in here, but I think once we really understand the importance of purity that we'll understand there's even greater power. 
the church of persuasion, and in sense, that is the greater power. When you speak, people listen, people receive it. Father, I pray that you bless uh, 